This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Seconds Department in the basement. Come down and see us sometime. Mr. Randall, are you free? I'm free! Ground floor, Jim Marie, stationary in Oceans, Wigs and Haberdashery, Kitchen Wearing Boots. Oh! First floor, telephones, Jim Marie, Boots, Shirts, Ties, Hats, Unwearing Shoes, Oh! I'm Brandon! And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Hooray! Hello, Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeffrey. We're, we have a very unique episode tonight, we do, do we not? We do, indeed, Mr. Yes. Brandon. We do. We are coming to you somewhat live. Somewhat live. From uh, 72nd Street and Columbus Avenue in New York City. Which is actually in northern Mississippi. It's a little <laughs> tiny neighborhood. It's called Manhattan, Mississippi. Right. But, you know, there's lots of Manhattans more than just in New York. And uh, they're doing a lot of construction. You've heard of the, the Memphis Bridge debacle. Yes. Uh, they had a big crack. They have to fix it. And wouldn't you know it, they're repaving the road right next to our northern Mississippi <laughs> compound. So uh, you might hear some noise. You might hear some children because the children like to watch the construction. It's it's a noisy episode. You might hear today. an ambulance or a fire engine or two. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, and what what else are we celebrating today? It Mr. is MadamCon. Oh, my God. Ding, ding, ding. Unfortunately, Gladys is under the weather. We couldn't bring her. <laughs> Uh, but TSA wouldn't let her on the plane all the yeah, way to the, the TSA said, no, no, no. Uh, so we have rented, uh, we were going to have something in the Java Center in Manhattan. <laughs> they, they declined our application. So we decided to have it here at the compound, and we had some uh, thousands of people come and uh, want to participate. Sadly, their background checks did not pass whatsoever. Rotten Luckily, out you did not do well at no, all. No, you need to watch out. If you're, you, know, you just, just pay your pay your parking fines is all we got to say. <laughs> um, but we did have two fabulous people who passed the test. Uh, quite exciting. Mr. Matthew and Mr. Christopher here. Hello. Welcome to the pod. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, yes, thanks for thanks for uh, flying to northern Mississippi. We appreciate you both being here. Oh, yeah, it was great. Uh, what, do you, what do you think so far of Madam Khan? I think it's great. I got to touch the holy grail yes, of... That does suit Madam. We, we brought the holy relic of already being served, the, uh, the podcast. Mr. Rumble's ashtray. Mr. Rumble's a- ashtray. Um, sadly, we, we could not win the auction for his little koala bear, the, the red koala bear he sleeps with. You think it's a koala. You have not been I paying attention for the past year. What was it? Well, we'll find out. We're going to talk about Ooh, it. Ooh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, so yes, um, so how did you guys hear about MadamCon? Did you just walk in by and you saw a big happening and you decided to walk in? Or did you join us on Facebook? Who, who are you people? I have followed you all since basically the start of the podcast. Super fan. Stalker. Uh, yeah, stalker. <laughs> I mean, you know, tomato, tomato. Um, and I, you know, during the pandemic, I was looking for new podcasts to listen to and I just started searching some of my favorite shows, Golden Girls, Keeping Up Appearances. Are you being served? You mentioned that one first, but that's okay. Well, that's okay. And y'all, <laughs> y'all came up, and you I started the best this thing. <laughs> and I heard about Madam Khan, and we're, you know, semi-local, and we just got on public independently transit, wealthy, independently wealthy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And we're here, and we're very excited to be part of Madam Khan. And who is this handsome man to your to your here. left? Did you just find him on at the bus station, or who is he? Well, that is how we met about a year ago. He was at the bus station. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. This is Mr. Chris, my boyfriend. Mr. Chris. Of about oh. a year and a half now. 
yes, that's where you find all your lovers at the bus station. <laughs> it's a great place to look if you're looking for places to find. Um, the Northern Mississippi works, bus station is it for It worked for Midnight Cowboy. I mean, it could work for you. Why not? This is true. This is very true. <laughs> First time, you know, comer to the the, 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 the festival. Um, yes, uh, a virgin of so sorts. you have a secret. What is the secret about are you being served? I think we should just come out, come out with a clear. The, the the secret you've been hiding all these years about are you being served? Okay, so he's never seen the show. Touch <gasps> the pearls. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we got this far in our relationship, oh. and I. Catering by a thread is how I yeah, think. Yeah, like on the rock. But luckily we're how here. How did that cla- uh, pass the background check? Uh, you know, I'll, I think we, we've got to speak to those people we have down to speak northern to Mississippi. Some people. We've got to talk I know to a somebody. guy in IT, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did make him watch the break-in last night, so uh, he was aware okay, of what we'd did, be okay, talking so about today. So maybe that in the algorithm, it would have like overwritten the, the non-arving servedness of his mm-hmm. Pokemon Albert. Well, yeah, it showed up on his Amazon that he watched it within the last 24 hours, so that's probably oh, how he got right. let in. Okay, bonus points. Oh, yeah. that's good. That was the episode where um, Samantha was on the show? Right? Wrong show, wrong okay. show. <laughs> Where's the uh, Midnight at the Apollo thing that takes him away with that thing called? The hook? <laughs> the, the hook. hook. The hook, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations, boys, on being the only two people who survived the background check from Madame Khan. Uh, that's 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 worth something, at least. Um, I feel very honored. You get to touch the holy relic of the uh, Mr. Rumble's ashtray, but watch where where the gloves, dear. Don't forget the gloves. <laughs> oh, yes. I wish I was a smoker, so I could. I know. You it's, know. it's very alluring, you know. So, um, well, that's exciting. Um, do we have any shout-outs or any business we need to talk about? Sure. So we do have a couple of new fans on the Facebook page. So we want to welcome Amanda, Tom, and Jeff. Thank you very much for joining our page. I'd also like to give a special thanks to Mr. Gary and Ms. Pippa the Puppy in Scotland, lovely sunny Scotland, uh, who sent a lovely message to us. Uh, so thanks, Mr. Gary and uh, Ms. Pippa. We also got some fan mail from Mr. Gregory, who suggested a show for us to check out. Um, after uh, are we don't are you being served? It's a Canadian comedy show called Corner Gas. I have never heard of that. Is before. that sponsored by like Canadian gas companies or something? Or? I have no idea. I think it takes place like at a gas station. So I'm not sure, but like I was, I I'm down for going into Canadiana, like because I was down with the original Degrassi. Uh, I watched 15. Do you, I, I, I have no idea what it's no, Everyone's shaking their heads. So uh, Dawson's there is, Creek. There's never the, the slightest age gap in between Brandon and I'm I. very young. However, very young. I feel that maybe there may be even a bigger age gap in between myself and Mr. Matt and Mr. Chris. So 15 was this Canadian high school drama from the early 90s that was so poorly acted that it's like it's it's so you have to watch it. Is it like soap where it was done purposely? No. They didn't realize. No. Here's the kicker. Here's the thing. It stars Ryan Reynolds. Oh, he plays one of the suddenly everyone's very about this right. show. Okay. I'm intrigued yeah. now. So it, it, it ran for I think three seasons. I think it's actually called something different in Canada, but Is it was on Nickelodeon year. He was twelve, like literally twelve. Okay, so, never mind. Never yeah. mind. I should also say, uh, in backing up that last question I asked, <laughs> we are having imbibing alcoholic beverages in this episode. We are. are we, are, we are. We are indeed. We are indeed. Mr. Right. Well, I'm having the Mr. Humphreys cocktail. It's pink. 
Uh, we have signature cocktails. Uh, sadly, um, Smirnoff did not choose to sponsor the convention. Neither Maybe did next the year. Japanese champagne. To, uh, they they sponsored champagne. it, but we didn't really want to drink it. <laughs> so, anyhow. So, please remember that, well, today, according to the last one I saw the news, you don't have to wear a mask, but that's maybe changing. Los Angeles just rescinded that and you Los Angeles probably County wear, to wear a mask. mask right? yeah. So you don't have to wear a mask for right now, but if someone asks you to, please do. Still wash your hands. And as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, indeed. And you've, you've all done very well. You've all done very well. So why don't we get started talking about the holdup? Why not? It's our first live, that's right, live episode. Uh, it's fun to have two guest hosts. We've never done that before. All right, so, so Mr. Jeffrey, um, could you tell us what the hell we're doing here in northern Mississippi at MadamCon as the bus goes down I-40 going towards the Memphis Bridge? <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we listening to so today? So we have fast-forwarded to Season 10, Episode 3, The Hold Up. Looking at the rest of Season 9, we figured these aren't going to be fan favorites and not going to be so good to talk we about We wanted to give live. the community something yeah. back, didn't we? So... Season 10, Episode 3, The Hold Up, which originally premiered on March 4th, 1985. And that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart, was Can't Fight This Feeling by Oreo Speedwagon. The young people are like, Trick crickets. what's that? Crickets. What's that? And at the top of the UK singles chart was You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive. And all the gays are like, yes, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We got, we got a bit of recognition in there. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Liza Minnelli checked into Betty Ford. That must have hurt. So, <laughs> oh man. That's a sex joke. Um, Moonlighting, the TV show that starred uh, Sybil Shepherd and what's his face? Jesus, I can't remember. The guy. The well, guy. And you know where Sybil you know Shepherd lives to this day? Down the block? Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, really? Down the street. Hello, Sybil. Can you hear us? Um, that premiered on ABC. I remember that show. And then, well, there we go. Finally, something that, like. <laughs> Because yeah, we jumped a season, like suddenly a senior I'm remembering. Um, and <laughs> DOS Operating System 3.1 was released. So this is People we're going don't know what back, that means. Back in the day before mm. Windows. The children are shaking their heads. <laughs> back in the day before there were Windows, all of your computer programs ran on text only. And it was an operating system called DOS. It was gross. Yeah, it was finally replaced by Windows 3.11. And then they stopped making it in 1995 when Windows 95 came out. We're old. I'm old. You're I'm young. That's never mind. I'm young. Never mind. Never mind. So, all right. Let's. So, so episode, season ten, episode what four? Three. Three. The hold up. Yeah. So I would say this is probably one of the most popular episodes of Are You Being Served. I agree. You know, when we held our polls a little bit uh, in the early days of the episode. This was one of the ones that people were really looking forward to us discussing. So yeah. decided to bring it forward a couple of episodes and um, talk about it with all of the unanimous who came oh, to Madagascar. Sisters Matt and Chris, um, we tend to yammer on, and by we I mean myself. <laughs> so uh, if you have a thought about it, because you've both seen, you've done your homework, you've seen the episode, just jump in here, give us your ideas. It's all good, okay? All right. So, Mr. Jeffrey, what happens when the scene's open? So, unique to season 10, and I can't remember if this is the entire series or just random episodes, because they do this sometimes, we've got new titles. 
There's some flying animation here rather than the static card that They were very out. proud of that 1980-whatever. Yeah, was, very fancy for 85. Right, it was high-tech technology for back then, right? Or not at all, but right. <laughs> it's the BBC. They do their best. And we see, uh, we see the shot of all of the uh, staff milling about their store, and Mrs. Slocum's hair is a lovely highlighter yellow this week. <laughs> Um, You're, that's a very good a good word yeah. to describe her hair. Well, that's the it's the color of it. It's not platinum. It's not any kind of blonde. It is highlighter yellow because it's got that greenish tinge to you it. You don't see that color in nature, really. No, 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 no. Except no, in a trash can and uh, yeah. with the yeah. uh, with a high, used highlighter. That's where I was there going. You go. There you go. So um, the 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 plot is that the staff are staying late on a Friday night to take inventory. Uh, I guess it's end of the month. They've got to make sure that they've got all their sales because this is before computerized cash registers. Uh, so they've got to write everything out by hand. It's nearly seven o'clock. Mr. Rumbold is going home, and he takes Miss Belfridge with him. Continuing what we saw last week uh, about her giving him the cold from them having spent um, uh, dinner and breakfast together. And he's a happily married bald-headed man as well. Indeed he is. I, I, later on, a little bit later on, we're going to see Mr. Rumbold in his bedroom, and I half expected Miss Belfords to be on the other side. <gasps> Scandal. You got two gasps out of that, Mr. Jeffrey. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. So, Mr. Rumbold said he's glad that they haven't played the usual prank on him. And so, I don't know if this was, like, if this is something unique to British culture in the 70s, or, sorry, 80s, or if this was, like, just a plot device for the show in order to be able to... Uh, have the thing that happens later on that yeah, begins to build the, the, the plot, yeah. Um, have any of you worked retail where you've had to like stay late to do inventory? Oh yeah, I was yeah. actually gonna ask. Like I've worked retail and it's it's horrific. It's you have to work throughout the night and it's like once a month and no one likes it and then usually your boss will give you like a pizza or something you all get to share. <laughs> But it's not a fun thing. Yeah. yeah, I worked at the Gap for two years and a very similar experience. You'd be re you'd be doing inventory till like one, two in the morning. On I've got a Gap question. I, I worked at the myself. Gap in college myself. Okay, so. both of you. Whilst at the Gap, did you cinch Whilst. them and did you belt them? <laughs> Do you know what that joke is? No, so I, I don't. Oh, oh, so my goodness. It's an SNL joke. Listen, Debbie, just go back to the donut hut where you belong, you stupid slut. Oh my god, sorry, I need some french fries. Oh wait, is this the Chris Farley yeah, David Spade? I know those skits, yeah. I know those skits. Did okay. you send him? Did you belt him? <laughs> anyway. Mr. Chris, what about you? Have you ever worked in retail where you have to do inventory late? Yeah, actually, I worked at Walmart for about nine years. <laughs> so, That's yeah. very 24 retail. hours, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was fine. We, you know, we did inventory. The worst part about it was actually putting the items back in place uh, and zoning absolutely. them. That was the worst part of it. Because, you know, you could easily just pull the items out, scan them, okay, it's like five minutes, whatever. But then when you have to put them back... That's what took the And the people, time. like, move them around the store. Right. Yes. You will yeah. find, you know, ketchup in the kids' <laughs> In the underwear. And I think that was, I, I'm working at The Gap, I think that was one of the most depressing things was the day after inventory, when you finally have all the jeans in size order. All of the boot cuts together, all of the slim cuts together, and then the next day, it's just a madness, and, you know, you got a twin-set cardigan right in the middle of the khakis. It was hell, I tell you. And luckily in 2021, <laughs> no one shops ever in, anymore, and no. everyone just clicks things All on Amazon, and there are no more stores. Yeah. A lot of models Yeah. And actually, Radio Shack is back in business online. All of those stores, like Radio Shack, Pier 1, Limbs and Things, they've now regrouped, and they're all online only. 
the unanimous yeah. did not know what a huge Radio Shack fan Mr. Chapter <laughs> is. He, he buys his transistors one at a time. So they are um, Rumble leaves, and you know they're talking about the um, they're talking about having to take inventory how terrible it is. Maybe they're almost done. And Mr. Harmon call, comes off the lips, whispering for the staff to come around, and says, "We're being robbed. There are two men going through the safe in the house." Now it's seven o'clock at night. I know it gets dark earlier in London um, during the winter time than it does here, but what kind of robbers are going in at seven? Like, wouldn't the, you think that the robbers would have to wait until like almost close to midnight? Maybe they have like their stories to watch at home, and they have to. They've got to be home in time for court. Coronation That's what it is. Street, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then EastEnders, you know, you have to work your life around that. Was EastEnders on? But yeah, EastEnders probably started in '84, so it was on by now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's my answer. So um, they start figuring out what they're going to do. Well, they can ring the police, but the only outside line is in Rumble's office. Because remember, this is the store that is trapped in the 40s yeah, and 50s. Yeah, all of the, oh, we can't because it's in there. But oh, and then this, it just felt really, like, pushed, you it know? Was con- it was a little contrived. There was a little bit of exposition here. But remember that Beryl, the operator, has to get the outside line for you. Uh, yeah, you can't call direct. So their robbers are going to be in Rumble's office soon to look for the other safe. So they can't go in there to use the phone. Slocum has to spend a penny because she's got that nervous bladder. <laughs> so she goes to use the loo, and then the robbers come down to the lift. So the tall one is played by Michael Atwell. Uh, he played Kenny Beale on um, EastEnders in 1988, who was the older brother of Pauline Beale, nay Fowler, Played by Wendy Richard. No. Yeah. I was waiting for it. It finally happened. Um, <laughs> okay. So there's like, so he. I wonder. Six if he, degrees of already being served. Oh, now that's a board game I want to play. There you go. Okay. Well, that's um, cool. And then the short one is played by Paul Humpletz, who went on to appear on one episode of Already Being Served Again. I want to check in on Mr. Chris. Do you have any idea what's going on? Absolutely. <laughs> it's okay. You're 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 getting points for just sticking with us. I think. Do you remember the plot from the episode? At least, is it like coming back to you? No. I mean, I remember thinking, why are these people hiding behind the desk? <laughs> um, thinking, okay, the robbers are coming in. I'm gonna go through the elevator. But I mean, you know, I completely understand. That you have to, you know, have the characters do things to, you know, have yes. a certain plot, you know, continue to progress and so on. I'm, I'm okay with that. I was here for it, and the, the, the lady with the pink wig was, was wonderful. Okay. So, okay. All right, all right, all right, right. Or yellow. And can I point out, it's not a desk. It's the ladies' wear count. <gasps> oh. oh. I think we've entered, like, a marital support uh, <laughs> counseling uh, thing now at this point. Very nice, very nice. Okay, we'll go. Just If you need anything, Mr. Chris, just let us know. If you need us to remind you what the show is. It's it, we're getting really deep into it. Is what I is what I'm getting at. So. What else is going on, Mr. Jeffrey? So, both of the robbers they scoped out the entire store. They went up to the uh, safe and accounts, but they have no cash on them. Who knows where they stored it? And so they come downstairs to check out the ladies and gents department, see if there's a safe here. But their plan is to sleep in until the store opens on Saturday morning and just walk out. So the staff is all hiding behind the ladies' counter. They hear this, so they know they're in it for the long haul, right? So Slocum comes back from the loo, because she hasn't <laughs> heard this whole thing. And she can't find the rest of her staff um, there, because they're so all they're, hunched hiding behind they're, the ladies' counter. They're all trying to be quiet, and she walks out, and she's like, 
Is anybody here? <laughs> like worried. <laughs> I wish she was drunk though, as I always do. You know, I, I, I wonder how she would have probably let it slip and probably would have made a pass at one of the robbers. Well, she, she does later, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Right. Yeah, she wishes she had. I'm like a bit of muscle. <laughs> so um, she actually leaves her hands bag on the je- on the handbag on the gentleman's side, and Mr. Humphreys has to go fetch it, but his legs give out as he is prone to do. My legs have gone again. So uh, he can't get it. Brahms makes a go-, a go for it, but the robbers come back. So she has to pretend to be a mannequin in the store so that they won't uh, retcon on that there's other people here. But we get that lovely trope that is in almost every sitcom when someone is pretending to be still or pretending to be a mannequin. The oldest trick in the book. She sneezes. <laughs> they say B- bless you by instinct and she just goes back and freezes. And then they have this kind of Scooby-Doo look about, you know, where did the sneeze come from? Yeah, it was, it was one of those silly things. It is interesting. It- 1985, so this is 14 years since the show started, right? Uh, wait, what? Since the show started, yes. Okay. Yeah, so at this point, Miss Brahms, Wendy Richard, is still trying to be like the fame fatale, right? Um, she's got to be 40-something, right, at this point. Yeah, probably something And like this that. is 1985, so like, to be 40-something back then was like for a woman it, it was rare for her to like be cast as someone who's like a beautiful young woman but right. she was still doing it like they didn't have Botox and fillers and da 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 back then but they had a lot of pancake you think that's what it was oh, I just absolutely. thought like of course we've, we've skipped a year in this episode but she really looked like quite young and I thought well also compared you know, to everyone else well, yeah, no, that's the same. well she was probably the, the same age that Molly was when she started the show at this point oh that's like, weird and she's all Mrs. That's Slocum's weird. always the older woman of a certain age yes and Miss Brahms is always presented as the young right. sexy girl behind the counter but she's probably comparatively the same age Molly Sugden was when the show started. That's a good point. I did notice that she had like gray hair, but it was like very long and, you know, fashionable. Right. And her skirts have gotten longer. Ah, okay. I wouldn't notice that type good, of thing. Good, good eye for detail there. And also, this is one of the rare times you hear them refer to Mrs. Slocum by her first name. Betty. That's yeah, nice. she says, stay here, Betty, I'll get it, which is very... He Disconcerting, yes. He? he did indeed. He did indeed, Mr. Matt. Thank you very I am much. A studious yes. young man. That's why you passed your background check. <laughs> there you go. So uh, the robbers capture her and take her into the office where they try to open the safe. And she calls out for her colleagues to come help them, help her. And they do nothing. <laughs> they do nothing. So, of course, we get Mrs. Slocum admonishing them weak as water, weak as water. <laughs> And then she turns it, you know, she starts to um, talk about how she's, uh, Miss Brahms is in danger for her life. They could be doing anything to her. Oh, I wish I'd gone in her place. <laughs> and then they but, repeat the joke. They might even try to kiss her. Oh, how I wish I had gone in her place. You get horny Mrs. Slocum um, going after the two robbers. Oh, is a bridesmaid, Mrs. Slocum. Yeah. I love a thirsty woman of a certain age. <laughs> and Mrs. Slocum is, I hope to be her someday. <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of other shows that you like. Um, so who are the Mrs. Slocum analogs in those other shows? So who is the Mrs. Slocum of the Golden Girls? Is it Blanche because she's a little forward? It's a bit easy, though. I mean, Is it 
Well, you know, that's an interesting thing because Blanche would be the obvious answer because she's very sex positive and lo loves a gentleman's attention. But I'm honestly going to say she's a little more of the Sophia because it's the, it's the frustration as well. She's a frustrated ah, yes. lady of a certain age who's not getting the action that she's craving. And that's, that's a Sophia Petrillo. So I could see that. Uh, keeping up appearances. There's a little bit of tart in her, so I could see her being Rose. Ooh, the Rose. Yes, all Rose. The, the, Did she pick up? Yes. The little tart sister, a uh, little sexual frustration with Daisy, so there's like a combo there. But, okay. Daisy's yeah. very fresh, sexually frustrated with her Onslow. Yeah, Onslow doesn't do much for her. They have sex once a quarter. And <laughs> he bangs the television more than he bangs his choir. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. So um, we've learned that the master key for the exit is in Mrs. Slocum's handbag because Harmon had to give her the key so she could go to the bathroom. So it's important that everybody remember that the keys are in the handbag because there's a visual gag coming up, which is great for an audio medium like a, like oh, a podcast. Yes. And then they did. From. And then they did. <laughs> so Peacock has the grand, the grand idea that robbers are all afraid of authority. So he's going to pretend to be a detective and go in and try and scare them into leaving the store, and right? of course, Captain Peacock with that strong David Niven-like quality, <laughs> you know. That military manner, as right. they oh, say. Yeah. Slightly graying at the temples. So Harmon gives him his union card to use as a, as a um, to flash quickly as a, a criminal investigation department, you know, like the badge. Mm -hmm. Has anybody here ever had a fake ID? Never. How dare you? <laughs> I was a good Catholic boy. I had no such thing. Which means yes, no. <laughs> of course, many. <laughs> My lips are sealed. <laughs> Didn't eat it. Didn't oh, eat it. Okay. okay. Well, what Mr. about you? Well, no, let's, let's hear the didn't eat it story first. Okay. Well, Mr. Chris is from a state called Arizona. And their IDs no in Arizona, huh? Their IDs and driver's licenses are good for 50 years at a pop. Like so they know how to drive. We're not yeah. from California. I'm kidding. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I am featuring that. I grew up in New York City. I learned how to drive in New York City go. and New Jersey. And California drivers are the absolute worst. And I will give you my top five reasons why. Listen, they come to Arizona because they're like the, whatever you call them, the, the snowbirds or right. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And then they wreck everything. But, um, no, but I mean, it, it seems to work out for Arizona. That's all I can say. Okay. That, you know, we don't have to get it renewed every year. 50 years, years. that's five years, yeah. like that. Pennsylvania's four. So, I actually did when I was a teenager. So, back in the day before Giuliani cleaned out Times Square, not only was it a den of perversion, but there were actually arcades there. Like, you could go play video games for quarters in uh, Times Square. Mm. And oh, wow. one of them was famous for making fake IDs on their Windows 311 computer. <laughs> and so, so you go and play like Pac Miss Pac-Man or something, and right, then get your while fake you ID. wait for your fake ID, oh, right? Wow. So when I that was <laughs> when I was where exactly is this a, <laughs> When I was a junior in high school, um, I did go and get one. Now. I didn't need it for any of the delis around me. You know, I can go into a deli and get a 40 of beer or a four pack of wine coolers just fine. But in order to go to a bar, we needed to have that. Um, and so I got that for $10 in the middle of the arcade. How dare you? So there's a, this is an opportunity for them to play dress up, right? Any, any excuse for a costume. It's, it's the 10th year of the show. They, the, the writers have nothing left. 
They're like, let's dress him up. So they decide to dress up Captain Peacock and Mr. Spooner as the detective and yep. the assistant. And Mr. O'Freeze automatically goes for a riding map. Mr. Brandon, can you tell us what a riding map is? Isn't it like someone from Scotland who rides a horse? No. No. Absolutely not. I don't know. So Mac is short for Macintosh, which is a brand of raincoat over there. And okay. a riding Mac is one that is suitable, suitably cut to be riding a horse in. And okay. so they, they question, well, why a riding Mac? Yeah, well, I don't get it. Julia Bravo never goes anywhere without one. Yeah. Julia Bravo was a TV show uh, in the 80s. It was a procedural, like a law and order, okay. about the first female police inspector about this little town in Lancashire. Oh, so by him saying, oh, well, that's, she always wears one, so he will have to have one, right, too. Right, exactly. Uh. However, he comes out looking like the worst Sherlock Holmes impersonator ever. <laughs> right? He's got the little um, the deer stalker cap. He's got a pipe for some reason. Like, this is clearly, like, coded as detective, right? They're just loving playing dress-up in Grace yeah. Brothers. Meanwhile, in Mr. Rumble's office, Ms. Brahms is tied to the door, and she will not shut up. She keeps talking and talking and talking, right. And so, finally, uh, one of the robbers gets her to shut up and says, oh, she's got more rabbit than Sainsbury's. So, you love that, that quote. I do love that quote. I do love that quote for several reasons. One, it makes me miss one of my favorite grocery stores or supermarkets in the entire world. Waitrose. <laughs> Very good. No. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's, yeah. But it also does a little bit of cockney rhyming slang. Oh, okay. I, so, I didn't even bother thinking about what the hell does that mean, knowing that you would tell us now. Please well, proceed. I'm glad to be of service. I have to say, this is one of my favorite things about the podcast because it <gasps> Tell does us more. educate me because I know nothing about copyright <laughs> rhyming slang, and I look forward to basically every episode. Y'all talk about copyright yeah. slang, and it gives a whole other layer to the show I did not know. Existed. Because we're all American, well, not all everyone, all the listeners, but like most of the listeners are Americans, and we don't know what the hell copyright rhyming slang is. So when they say, "Oh, uh, put, uh, put." What, what did oh, man, say? such a Barney the other Or words. like uh, something like, uh, oh, don't forget your Irish. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Well, he's talking about your toupee. But you have to know that Irish, Irish jig. jig rhymes with wig for the joke to make sense, right? So we Americans are like, what the hell? So we have the time to investigate. And I will give the deference to Mr. Jeffrey, who thank does you, all of you, the research. Have I done the, very well, Mr. You've Jeffrey. done very well. I've done very well. You've done very well. <laughs> so, Mr. Matt had done his homework before, but we wanted to see how much he really has been paying attention because we've talked about the word rabbit before. No, we haven't. Do you remember what rabbit rhymes with? No, I don't. Oh, no. I'm failing. Oh, no. Rabbit. She's putting pressure on us this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm so sorry. So, this is one that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I, don't, I should I, say. Why the two go together just because they're animals that are eaten? But the, the phrase is rabbit and pork. And if you say it with any kind of an English accent, it's not going to be or. It's going to be rabbit and pork, which rhymes with talk. And so if you're rabbiting on, you're talking a lot. So I say, if you say the word pork, talk, I want to talk. talk to you. I want to pork with you. I guess. I know. Um, I don't know why rabbit and pork go together, though. Unless you're making, like, a lovely pie. Yeah. Rabbit and pork pie. Now we're hungry. Or stew. Uh, maybe a stew. We're going to go to the canteen very soon, I have a yes, feeling. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, Peacock, Peacock and Swinner break into the office. The burglars are ready to give in. They're ready to jump, but it's too high off the ground. Well, they're only on the first floor. 
<laughs> which, well, you know, it keeps moving in the episode. Right. right, ground floor, first floor. So it's, you know, what, maybe 12 feet off the ground, 20 feet off the ground? Or the most? third or the fourth, depending yeah, on that's the season. True, right. So they're ready to give in, but they want to know who tipped them off, who dobbed them and who grasped to the police. And um, they ask, was it the Gumby guy? Now, Peacock I picture the horse Spino. and the green guy. Right, right exactly. When I hear Pokey, the Gumby is that his name, the horse? Pokey, Pokey. and then they had the two friends. Yeah. 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 He's so cute. So, of course, Peacock, not being familiar with the underworld, doesn't know who the Gumby gang is. And the uh, robbers introduce them as Pa Gumby, Mad Ma Gumby, and their stepson, Italian Tony, the Tooting Terror. The Tooting Terror. Now, I originally thought when I was a kid watching the show that this was uh, in reference to the weight. Right, it's his little, little digestive joke there. But Tooting is a neighborhood in South London, right, along the northern line. If you think about those stops towards the end, there's Tooting back and Tooting Broadway. Broadway. Exactly. Yeah. And so the name comes from the word tout, as in lookout. You know, we use the word tout today for someone who's like uh, 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 selling handbags on the street or trying to get you to come into a tourist attraction. That's a tout. But tout well touted. Is some, oh, he's been he's well he's well spoken of. Yeah. So a, a tout is someone who'd be on the lookout, and that's oh. where this was the lookout for South London in uh, ancient okay. times. All right. Touting. So. But but how does that explain tooting? Tooting. Tout to tooting. He's from tooting. They're from the neighborhood of Tudor. So it's They're a South uh, London. He's referred to as their stepson. Is he both of their? I don't understand right. what that means. There must be some like intermarriage thing going on. <laughs> I don't know. I love that we're trying to like explain the family history of <laughs> these people. Right. Love it. Um, so the burglars are ready to give in, but Mr. Spooner messes up and calls Captain Peacock by his real name instead of Detective Stevens. Oh, no. The robbers quickly cotton on that something mm. is awry. They look at the union card and they say, all right, they're part of the, the staff. They're our hostage now, too, right? So Peacock says, I'll give you the key to the exit. You can leave in peace. We've never seen your faces. But Ms. Brahms, thinking she's being the heroine, throws Mrs. Slocum's handbag out the window without the exit key. Now no one can leave because that's the only key that Mr. Harmon had. Meanwhile, Mr. Harmon, Mr. Humphreys, and Mr. Slocum are out and listening in the hallway. What to do? And they go back to hatch a plan to figure out how to save their colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. And then they say, Mr. Humphrey says, I don't think I can picture you as Mad Ma Gumby. But then <laughs> well, he takes a second look at her. Now that you think about it. I don't know. Now that you think about it. And then fade to black. And I think with that, I've had a, an alcoholic beverage. We are, we are due for another round. I think we're... we're there's a... Um, uh, a packet of crisps with our name on it. Maybe some pork scratchings. Instead of going up to the canteen, why don't we go down around the corner to the pub? <gasps> Let's do it. What we can go idea. down to the basement and we can come down and see me sometime. Let's head on down to the pub for a pint break. Lovely. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? 
or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does It Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So, Mr. Brandon, we headed down to the Pussy and the Willow Pub. We're just around the corner. Which is very unusual here in, in Manhattan, <laughs> Mississippi. I was very is, surprised to have is. a British pub here. It is, but, Mr. Brandon. You know. What did you have for a little pint break? I had a bit of spag bowl because, you know, it's unusual here in northern Mississippi to have some uh, British Italian uh, food. But I thought in honor of uh, uh, Tootin' Tony <laughs> in this episode, I thought I would pay homage to him. So what about what did you have? Well, I asked for champagne, but um, Catrio animated a Bucks Fizz instead. But I was not one to turn it down. Uh, and you'll explain to me what that means later. Not another ad fab rest. Ah, see, there inside. we go. There we go. A wrong podcast. <laughs> Gentlemen, what did you have in the uh, in the pub? I didn't catch. I was having too many gin and tonics. I'm on a no-carbohydrate diet, so I had this Slocum special, just vodka in a glass, no chaser. And it kept <laughs> leaking, and you had to keep filling your glass. It was a glass. leaky glass. I oh. had three or four, See, it maybe. happens to me, too, sometimes. What about Mr. Chris? Well, I'm... A favorite of mine is, uh, you know, the, the whiskey, the Irish whiskey. And okay. so, you know, I... Powers, I like to give a shout-out to them, because they keep me drunk and... Oh! Um, Did you hide it in a perfume bottle, in a perfume atomizer? We'll explain, we'll explain that to you later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So come for the Craig, stay for the whiskey. So uh, back in Mr. Rumble's office, Captain Peacock and Mr. Spooner are now tied up along with Miss Brahms, who is gagged with a handkerchief. And the burglars have gone through 48 coat hangers trying to break into the safe. No more wire hangers. That was so lackadaisical. Oh. <laughs> this is... This is the gift that I got him for his birthday. Lovely. He is my crab. This is excellent. And this is one of his favorite. So Sadly, this can't be on the Yes, I know. This is an audio thing. Mr. Matt has brought a tote bag with a lovely recreation of Joan Crawford's. Not just Joan Crawford. It's um, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. I think Faye Dunaway has taken over Faye Dunaway. Right? Yes. I mean, as she should. Yes. 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 And clean up this mess. An iconic can, line can from you do, Can you do the line? The, the famous line? Yeah. No wire hangers ever! <laughs> oh. he also, yes, we watched that about a couple weeks ago, right? We did his first time. Oh. I do have to say my favorite line is Tina bringing me the axe. Tina! Bring, bring me the axe. Back in Queens, uh, Mississippi, uh, back in the day, I had a Mommy Dearest party. Okay. A la uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, when you watch the movie and you do things do to the, the movie? participation. Yes. Okay. So I took, <laughs> I took um, asparagus spears. Okay. And those were the cherry trees. And I gave everyone butter knives. <laughs> and during the chopping scene, you, like, slice the asparagus. Okay. <laughs> what did you do in the beginning when she's washing her face in the bowl of ice? Um, I didn't. We didn't. We didn't do anything then. We Boo. didn't do anything then. But uh, the Ajax scene, I gave everyone like a bit of Ajax, and we all like I'm poured it into a. You. I'm not We're mad at the dirt. Yes, uh, we are poured it into a bucket. 
And then I gave everyone pillows and wire hangers and we like beat the pillows, which is really bad now that I say that out loud. No, but I was seriously questioned what was happening with the relationship between like, and then it turned out that they, you know, they had a terrible childhood and an adulthood. It's a terrible movie well, and a terrible whole situation for everyone. Here's everybody. my question. Why did Joan Crawford hate wire hangers so much? Because she grew up very poor and had to work in a dry cleaner as a child. Mr. Oh, he's done his homework. Yes, but I will say, Christina Crawford has gone on record saying the movie is a very exaggerated uh, depiction of her childhood. That they amped it up a lot just for the sake of movie making, and that's not an accurate representation. Yeah. And she's very much embraced the camp of the movie and does appearances at screenings and is writing a musical about it. And this is the, it, the so. daughter who's the portrayed. daughter. Oh my god! She's still with us. She's probably in her eighties by now. Oh, but okay. she's, uh, she's very much embraced it. So. Well, there was a book that you said that was like okay, like she was yep. talking about how it was you know horrible childhood. Mm. Or was that the son? They, well, they both had statements. I mean, Joan Crawford was very much an alcoholic. Like she was very much. Yeah. Um, Liked her alcohol and probably and, mentally and, ill, and mentally ill, and lashed out at her children as a way to control them. And it, it was a difficult situation for everyone involved. But what we see in the movie, she's gone on record saying she was never beaten with wire hangers. Yeah. That's just something they threw in the movie they for an extra it's dramatic. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And can we also like add a, just a little little nice point for you know mental health? And yes, <laughs> just let's go ahead and plug that in there. You know, everybody who you know feels like they need that and especially if you live in New York anyone who lives in New York or is an artist mental health I think honestly I you know I, I wonder the impact because this is 1981 when the film came out I've, I've often I've, I'm a huge fan of the film but just because the acting and every, it's very campy and there's I love camp I mean a lot of our being so for the camp right but I think the movie really brings out uh, calls attention to mental illness yeah yeah I think a lot of people are like oh wow I've seen a little shade of that behavior in people in my family or people I know or in myself so mm. I think the movie really did a lot for mental illness just that's because, fair you know, yeah it's yeah. interesting and domestic but, uh, abuse it, it yeah. depicted dom- in a very ex- extreme way exaggerated exaggerated way but but it was the first major film probably to depict abuse in a in a semi-realistic manner in 1981 that was 39 years ago Mm -hmm. so um, that's powerful oh 1981 was 39 years ago you went to the the you went to the fucking thing in Times Square yeah that's true Um, more drinks (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Harmon Mr. (laughs) Humphries and Mr. Silicon we're still trying to hatch a plan and Going back to Captain Peacock's idea, they're not scared of authority, but these robbers are scared of the Gumby Gap. Oh, yes. Right? So they've got an idea. We're going to see the three of them dress up as the Gumby Gap. This is not the first time that Mr. Harmon has pretended to be married to Mrs. Silcom. Is it, Mr. Brand? Um, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Um, the episode where... <laughs> and this Granger. Yep. Uh, oh, what is that one? The Takeover. Oh, oh the, yeah, takeover. the Takeover. Yeah, the Takeover. Um, yeah, so uh, Mr. Harmon, Mr. Armin was the Lord Stablethorpe. Uh-huh. And then Mrs. I'm trying to think. Mrs. Slocum was Lady Stablethorpe. Uh-huh. 
and then their daughter Bucky. There you go. <laughs> but is Mrs. Slocum old enough to play Miss Brom's mother? <laughs> she's like, maybe I'll play the daughter. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's no good. You're right. So, so I wonder if there's some underpinning there. I wonder if maybe he has a bit of a fancy for Mrs. Slocum. Maybe. She'd rather be with Mr. Peacock. Yeah. Cap- oh, She'd rather be with Captain oh. Peacock. Two demerits. Yes. Even exactly. if he's not good at it. Take his name off the list for next year, yeah. will you? Uh, background check. <laughs> Code red. All right. So uh, the burglars are having a, having some kit. They're getting some kit. Yeah. Which is British slang, not a cockney rhyming slang, just slang for arrest. And it comes from the Danish word kippa, meaning a cheap inn. So like a little roadside motel. Uh, and that's where you get, like, you'd stop for the night when you are a journey, and it's made its way into British slang for Kip. There we go. Yeah. Where else would you learn that uh, unanimous than on our show? Kipper. Kip. Kipper? I think, I thought different. of the fish, though. Right? I demand, an, I demand an explanation. Kipper for fish, how does that relate to Kip? It doesn't at all. It's uh. just a coincidence. I wish it... It would make sense in my brain if it did, but oh well. Do you well. want to go down to Assault and Battery or down in the village and we can get some kippers there? I can't afford a flight to New York City. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> anyway, okay. So, um, the, the burglars are sleeping and Peacock does a little bit of magic by his hand and managed to untie his... Um, untie his wrist. I wonder if he learned how to do that in the Nathan when he was in the army fighting Rummel in the desert. Um... No? No, okay. probably not. <laughs> so then they, they start to, they, Peacock and Spooner get ready to escape. Mrs. Slocum comes in like Mae West. She's got the boa. She's got oh the cigarette God. filter. She's got the blonde curly hair. And she's got the shoulders going to accentuate her buxom, 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 right? Definitely gets the visual gag out of all this. And then we get to um, Italian Tony, who, who is played by Mr. Alphys. He's got this curly wig. A mustache and a hand fan. And a fabulous white linen suit, which and is very 70s. Cream colored, I think it was. Oh, right? I'm sorry. Right? Off white. Um, so they hit, the burglars hand over the cash. Well, it's quite a lot of cabbage, right? To, uh, cabbage, is what yeah. uh, Mr. Harmon says. So cabbage is actually one of those odd words that is almost universal. Mm-hmm. It's a slang word for money in a variety of languages. And they don't, not because they borrow from each other. But because cabbage looks like money, it looks it's like green. money. Yeah. It's green, or it's thin, and it's got the same feel as mine. I think, like in Chinese culture, the lions that you see in the Chinese New Year's parades that come down like parades mm-hmm. in the streets, I think, and I'm, my friend Lori would be able to remember this or not. I think Who was they, on the podcast. Yes, but Lori, uh, she made the fabulous uh, flaming pudding. All of the pudding I make is flaming, as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she taught me that um, the when they're doing the, the the Chinese lion ceremony, where they do the, the dance yeah. and everything, it's beautiful. Um, they take cabbage and they eat it, and I yes, think it's related to money. I think maybe the word well, for that cabbage makes sense because the, the lions are all red and the color red it, it represents prosperity mm, in a lot yeah. of East Asian cultures. So it makes sense that they're eating cabbage to yeah. But I also I love for, I, I love how that. the Gumby Gang all have American accents. Yes. What they're doing is imitating the classic um, gangster gangster movies from the yeah. '40s, where everyone kind of talks like this. Same. Everyone has a New York accent. And they talk with the clenched jaw, see? Yeah, see? And you don't really go high or low, see? You kind of stay right in the middle. Yeah. Just like Mr. Harmon. Yeah. It's really cool. So Italian Tony comes in, and he serenades his parents with, 
Hello, Mama. Hello, Papa. What we got here is a WAPA, pointing to the tallest of the robbers. So I'm going to turn it to our two guests in an attempt to not feel bad about myself. <laughs> Do you know what that's a reference to? A Whopper outside of Burger King. I got nothing. They both have their training wheels on, Mr. Jeffrey. Come yes. on. Give yourself a break. Mr. I mean, Chris, do you have any idea the Hello Mama, Hello Papa? Oh, the, my God. Oh, that I know is a song. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that, that I know is a yes. song. The, the, the Whopper, I don't oh, know. Oh, no, no. That's just, that's just a sexual Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, explicit. No, the Hello Mama, like, Hello Papa. You got that? Okay, yes, good. I know that. Hello, Mama. Hello, Papa. Here I am at Camp Willamaka. There you go. So the song is a 1963 song called The Letter from Camp by mm -hmm. Alan Sherman. And the tune is actually quite familiar. It didn't come up with that. It's actually taken from a ballet called La Gioconda, which okay. is the Italian word that they call the Mona Lisa painting. La Gioconda in French. La Gioconda. Yeah. La Gioconda okay. in French, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, took the, he took the tune and added campy, no pun intended, <laughs> lyrics, lyrics to it about a kid who's been sent away to summer camp and is having a miserable or a good time depending on how okay. you read the song right? so the robbers are scared of the Gumby gang so they hand over all the cash but they know that they can't get out of the building right never any question about how the Gumby gang broke in because right? you know, that would be too much they're, just, kind they're of just all struck by the Gumby gang the they, they're show. just so amazed right because right, they're like basically fans they're you know uh, uh, well known in the underworld the underworld. I love how they, they always use the word the underworld, the underworld. Like, of London in Do people in the underworld use the word underworld? Well, there's a rumor in the underworld that Italian Tony is very keen on the girls. And Mr. Humphreys comes back with a great singer, so long as it's only a rumor. Because he's so used to saying that right. about himself. Right. Um, Aww. Miss, Miss Brahms is being very melodramatic and, and overacting, even though, you know, because she knows she's not really in danger anymore. She's yeah. no longer alone in the office with the robbers. She's had Peacock and Spooner in with her for a couple of hours. Mm. Now the rest of the gang is there, and they're on the hero side. You know, there, there's a way that they're going to get out of it. So she gives this little speech that, that she will never give in to an Italian whopper. Mr. Humphreys breaks the fourth wall for the <laughs> second, third time in the entire series. Yeah. We do have rumors in the other <laughs> <laughs> And I love how, like, whopper and, like, all these stupid words, like, mean dick. Yes, that's what it is. And it's is. like, okay. Now, can anyone explain where whopper comes from and how it does mean dick because it just makes me want a sandwich. So. <laughs> I mean, it gives the impossible Whopper at Burger King a whole other meaning. Suddenly everyone's craving Burger King. Right. It makes me want to have a hot dog real bad. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think that this is British slang. It's not Cockney Rhyming slang. I think it's just a reference to size. Well, there's, there's an Elton John song on his album A Single Man from 1978? Nine? Don't know. But it, the song is called Big Dipper. Okay. And it's a silly little camp song, and it's like talking about a guy's big dick. Well, you big know what? Big Dipper, Whopper. Like, there's a lot of... I mean, England has a lot of words for a lot of other words. Right. And, like, dick, penis, I imagine there's lots of words for that in English. Schlong. Schlong. Well, you know what it could also be? It, it could be a reference to the Italian part, right? Because when we go... When you think about the episode, Do You Take This Man, where Mr. Mrs. Slocum is going to get married to Mr. Metaxas. Mm -hmm. or, um, and the Greek Orthodox priest. <laughs> right, the Greek Orthodox priest. Elios Cistros. Halitosis. Oh, um, Mr. Tav. Oh, Mr. She, When she finds out what happens before they go through the whole ruse, she calls him 
No, she calls him a dago bastard. Mm. She doesn't call him a wop. We're just throwing out all kinds of ethnic slurs around. We're just here, going right? all over the place today. So I was thinking maybe it could be related to that ethnic slur for Italians and Mediterranean. Yeah, but it might just be one of those weird UK words it that we just don't be. have in the US. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. In the US, we're so sexually repressed in the, in, the, in the media that you can't say, like, you can probably say penis, but you can't say dick, right? Even today, I think. It'd probably, like, censor it out, like, bleep it out. But in the UK, they seem to be so much more open about stuff. But it's weird that Whopper, <laughs> you know, it's a silly word. Right. Feels I mean, weird. You've, we had the same conversation about Buck before. How mm. uh, I think it was the episode where Mr. Captain Peacock had the boil on his bum. Oh yes, and they, they couldn't they, say bum. They didn't. They it took them a long time to go around. Which comedically was great because like yeah. you you knew what they were saying, and they waited until the middle of the episode and they finally said it once. And it was so funny because they didn't say it. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, one of the robbers has his eyes on Mrs. Slocum. <gasps> well, who can blame him? I know, right? I mean, because she's Mae West. She's every straight man's dream, apparently. Right? That's, That's what we gays right? think, anyway. In that top and skirt, I mean, <laughs> would want her. Also, where is this coming from the stock in Grace Brothers? Like, where? From the fancy <laughs> dress department, of course. <laughs> of course. They have a whole separate department for it. I mean, cause, well, I mean, in the UK, they do dress up in costumes quite often. You know, here in the States, we have Halloween, and that's about it. Right. But it's very common to have, like, a, a, a costume-themed party. Stag Nine Hindu. Party. I mean, if you look also, I think that's also pretty much in any Commonwealth country. If you look on the Facebook Kath and Kim fan page, there are lots of parties they have where people are dressing up like Kath, Kim, and Sharon. The only Americans that do that are in the Castro, I think, for some reason. They're always dressing up, but, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, I don't know why. So he he tries to uh, make a move, and his pickup line is, if it wasn't for your old man, we could make music together. And give me that Mae West again, tell me what she comes back with. Pity I sold the piano. (laughs) I'm like giving a big, like, shoulder action to Audio description, Mr. Brandon is moving his shoulder forward with every single... Pity I sold the piano. (laughs) So the robbers are finally gone. They're going down to the electrical apartment to get a drill to open the safe. Finally, they're gone. Captain Peacock can use the outside line to call the police. But they come back immediately. So he has to hang up the phone. So this is where the temple of the episode picks up. And this is what we've seen in the first couple of episodes of season nine. Is There's a madcap element to it towards the end. <laughs> yeah. Where the temple picks up. We see the action get a little bit rushed. We see the repeat like they do about having to make multiple calls. But this is, I think, something new. And I don't know if this is because David Croft wasn't involved in the writing. And this was a, a, a bold choice that Jeremy Lloyd was taking. Was he still doing that in season 10? Because I know season 9 he was sort of That's doing through true. medical That's stuff. That's right. So there. So in season 9, David Croft was going through some health issues. So he had taken time off to get treatment and recover. But he did come back to full writing mm. uh, in season 10. But that might be something that Jeremy Lloyd experimented with. And Croft always did the, made it to the final read-through, so he always approved everything. Maybe he was always like, come on, stop the madcap stuff. Turn it down a little bit. Well, I think we'll see. I don't know. You know when we do the rest of season 9 and 10, that's something to be keep an eye on. You know, Do we get a, a reach a point in the episode where the tempo changes? Ah, interesting. Where we reach a crescendo Maybe. and then have the climax and the denouement of the, uh, of the episode. I mean, I think we can all agree, after season seven, the series changes significantly in its presentation. Oh, don't get Mr. Jeff started about no, season, season eight. eight. Oh, I, my I God. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, I think that the, the revolving door of senior salesmen 
we were very, very lucky to have It was so times. hard on us, by the way, all those senior <laughs> salespeople. It was just too much by the end. It I mean, was five replacements. Mr. Tebbs and Mr. Goldberg were great, but Mr. Klein, you didn't need to be there for the four episodes. They tried. Yeah, and who they was tried. the other guy? Um, uh, Mr. Klein and the other one. <laughs> Mr. Klein, Mr. Sperber? It was something like that. Miles Sperber was the actor. Oh, miss, there was another miss. There was two. Who did two. Best play? Mr. Goldberg. Oh, Mr. Goldberg. Mr. Goldberg was fabulous. Yes. Right. I liked Mr. Tebbs. I mean, he was basically I Mr. Granger. I liked Mr. Tebbs. He was Mr. Granger, just a little bit younger. It yeah. was basically the... I, they probably Teddy wrote, Roosevelt. They wrote the scripts <laughs> and were like, we're just changing the name. Yeah. But there was another... There was four replacements for Mr. Granger. So they just finally gave okay, up. Okay, let's do it. We can do it. We have four, three, three and a half well-versed people uh, here. So Granger. Yep. Tebs. Tebs. Goldberg. Goldberg. Klein. Okay, so what was what was the character? He, they, they came. He came in in the shoot from the shoe department in the shoe episode. Right. That was Mr. He Klein, was a right. short little man. He didn't really have many lines. I think it was just they kind of wrote the scripts with someone to give the lines, and he was still around. Oh, he, oh he's the one who All said, the they're second screaming. Yeah. They're screaming at us. Ah. I mean, he wasn't a popular character right. by any means. I mean, I think that just goes to prove our point. It'll come to us. It'll yeah. come to me. Or the fact that we you don't remember him. have a sister. Mr. Grossman. Mr. Grossman. Mr. Grossman. That's what it is. Yes, he wins. Yeah. He wins. So, Captain Peacock finally gets through to Mr. Rumbold and says, uh, he's telling that the, the story, and Mr. Rumbold is convinced that it is a prank, right? Mm. So... Because he thinks, because remember in the earlier ep- bit of the episode, he, there was like, you know, you're not going to play those silly jokes, you're right? You're not going to play the right. pranks. I'm so glad that we got through this on, without the, the standard prank. Yes, so now so, we see why they said that. We cut to Mr. Rumble's home, and he's in bed in a nightcap. Uh, we got the wife and curlers uh, on the back, maybe. It was Miss Belfridge. We don't know. We never see her. <laughs> but he's cuddled up with a stuffed animal. And you thought it was. I think it's a panda bear. It's not it's a koala. Oh, did I say panda? You did say panda. Oh, shit. No, it was not a koala either. I thought it was a a fox. No. 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 It was Basil Rush. That's what it was. No, it's Oh, his Basil Brush, like Mr. Lucas used to have. No, no, no. Mr. Lucas had a Basil. No, Mr. Humphreys. Mr. Humphreys had a Basil Brush. Basil Brush was a cartoon character in the 70s and 80s, probably even as far back as the 60s. Very, very popular. Like uh, he was like probably the one to teach you your one two threes and your ABCs and how to. So it's almost like seat. the British Sesame Street. Uh, not as, not as um, widely known because it's a smaller country or whatever, yeah, okay. and it's not the primary show. You know, it was just it was a cartoon. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a fox. It's a fox. Really? It's a poorly shaped fox. We'll have to go back and watch. This well, we're gonna so watch the I whole series now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he watched Game of Thrones. And so okay. okay, so I think we've just converted another list, converted another washer. Another yes, we get a we get a toaster oven. Another one. Oh my, you, lovely. You get Tease one me. though to share. Wait, Wait that's toaster right. Oven. For are you being for Ellen? For, if you become gay, you become a you get a toaster oven or a microwave <laughs> or is it a toaster? Toaster. 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 Yeah. But for are you being served, you get a tease made. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do have to say, this is the first time we've seen Mrs. Rumbled, assuming that's who that right. is in the bed. Well, we don't know. It might, it might be Miss Belfort. It might be Miss Belfort. It could yeah. be. 
She doesn't come to any of the dinners, like the, the anniversary party or whatever. We've never heard her chasing anyone with a blow tickler at the Christmas party. Who hasn't chased someone with a blow tickler at the Christmas party? It's a fun and time. She, and she doesn't come to the uh, store ever be, to chase uh, Mr. Rumble because it's only when Miss Belfridge joins Captain that he gets a wandering eye. Whereas Captain Peacock needs to be reminded at least once an episode. There's like nine episodes man. with like Mrs. Peacock. And like there's multiple Mrs. Peacock. And there's two Mrs. Peacocks, that's right. I do think we see Mrs. Rumble this season later on. Maybe. When they, there's something with Miss Belfridge and she we actually finally see her. Oh, that might be right. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Oh my God. So they all take turns getting on the phone with Mr. Rumble to try and convince him yeah. that, um, that this is really happening. So, um, Harmon, the, 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 the robbers keep coming in and out. They have to like, hide the phone, hang up the phone, call them back. Finally, Mr. Um, Rumbold calls back just as the, the robbers are loading the safe onto the dolly. And Italian Tony grabs the tall, uh, the tall, robber, the tall burglar, and the actor yeah. almost breaks. You could see him biting his lip. Because it's John Inman grabbing left. him in this weird outfit on Are You Being Served, which at that point was a beloved show, right? right? Snapping his, his hand fan <laughs> in his face like he is at a Violet Trotsky show. You know, speaking to my mother like that. And the actor is trying so hard. And not, not only that, but he's like swiping his face with the fan. Right. And the actor has to like move his face back and forth. Right. And so laugh. cute. And it's it like, so cute. I actually, I love that scene because when you watch him, the actor, the, 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 the burglar guy, um, how fun must that scene have right. been for him? Because right? he probably watches this show. Yeah. He's probably a fan. He probably watched it when he was a kid. That's true. Because it's been on for 10 years. Right. And he was a young guy. Wow. So, um, Slocum finally explains the whole ruse to rumble on the phone to really try to get him to to send help, right? So, Mr. Spooner goes out to the floor to get a dummy because Mr. Slocum has an idea. They're going to dangle it out the window like they're threatening them because they're the Gumbies. They're the kings of the underworld. They have to stand up to their reputation. They have to really, yeah, they have to stand up to their reputation, right? Meanwhile, they're, as they're you know, holding the dummy, shaking it, trying to threaten it, the, the uh, two robbers are mad. They're, they're like, you, you've, you've gone crazy. You're insane. What are you doing? You're going to kill this person. The legs come off the dummy. They're left standing there holding two legs, disembodied legs, and they kind of give that like neat little sh- whoops, sh- whoops, Whoopsies. shoulder shrug, right? <laughs> and they say, what do you know? He's got a two of fossil legs. <laughs> Uh-huh. Pe- Peacock has managed to escape, and his grand plan is to go up to the roof and attract attention by lighting matches. It is midnight. <laughs> it is the middle of the night. Race Brothers is at least three stories tall. How does he think that someone's going to see a tiny match light from the street? And somehow I was like, wait, someone's matching light. Someone's lighting matches. We have to send help. I don't understand the plot there. Uh, maybe in like Emily Bronte novels or something that's what they do I mean he I could have know. at least tried to shout Grace Brothers unfair to salesperson <laughs> so we're the, such nerds the police are on the megaphones outside and the burglars go hide in the cupboard and one of them comes in with Mr. Rumbold in his dressing gown and it's played by Ian Collier who was on the Basil Brush show <gasps> no comes around oh my again, god right? And so Mr. Rumble is still not convinced that it is um, a joke. It's a practical joke. 
And he, Mr. Rumble, tells the detective that I've never seen any of these people before in my life. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you back for like, so being the police jokers. take away the Gumby gang, thinking that they're the true criminals. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys is on a rope outside the window. Again, this is very madcap. They're trying yeah. to like, get this done. They're throwing everything at the wall. Right. So Rumble is left alone, while the two real burglars come out of the cover. Yeah. And they threaten him because he you know they know he's got the other key. They're going to open up the safe while the police are busy arresting "quote unquote" the Gumby guy. Humphreys comes down the window, and Mr. Rumble calls out for help. Well, don't mind me. I'm off to Bow Street, and the end credits roll. So here's my idea about that because yeah. I don't know what Bow Street or whatever it is, but at one point Mr. Rumble says, "I have no idea who that man is outside this window. He looks like an ice cream salesman." Yeah. Which I suppose at that time, like ice cream shops were probably like Italian shops or something, and he had a curly black wig, so he's supposed to look like he's Italian. Um, I wonder if Bond or whatever streets that he's that it references is where a bunch of ice cream shops were. You're oh, you almost have oh, it. You damn almost it. have damn it. it. And we actually discussed this once before. Uh, on the show, shameful! Too. I'm so, so bad. So shameful. I don't know. Do either of you have any idea what the connection with Bow Street is? B O W. No, not a quite. Yeah, Thank that you. It's a, it's a great connection, right? It is, it is, um, it is an example of Synecdoche, right? Where Schenectady, New York. Schenectady, New York. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, it's a, li- <laughs> uh, um, a literary device called Synecdoche, where a place stands for a concept or an idea. So, okay. for example, when we talk about Broadway, that generally means theater. It doesn't necessarily mean the, the, the street in New York ah, City. Yes, yes, yes. When people talk about the White House, they talk about, they mean that the federal government, not necessarily mm. the building that's under Pennsylvania Avenue. Okay. Bow Street is where the police headquarters were in the 18th century. <gasps> what would now be Scotland Yard. Only in England would they talk about Bow Street, meaning like the police department from, from 300, 300 years, years ago. ago. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. So that's what it means. He's on his way to, the poli- to get the real police. Is what See, Humphreys that is, is why you to listen say. to this podcast, Unanimous, because we just explained that Bow Street means the police station, because in the 19th, 18th century, 300 years ago, that's where they all used to go. Where else would you learn that? Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. And You're that welcome. is the episode. Holy crap. What a crazy episode. Madcap. That's the only way that I can describe it, especially that second Madcap, May West... Italian mobster movies, Mommy, ice cream, bars, big bars, American accents. Actually, this is one of the few American accent episodes of Are You Being Served? There's maybe like Hit four. him with the tape play. Yes. <laughs> well, I gotta say, uh, my little Betty, I'm gonna pay for her wedding. That's true. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, what other episode were there American accents? I don't know. What do you guys think of the episode? Yeah, what, how crazy is this? What do you think? I think this is a highlight episode in later years because yeah. the quality did. I love I love it to my dying day, but the quality did drop off season eight, nine, and ten. Okay. Even the strongest fan will admit that. Lot, we're going to get a lot of emails for that statement, but go ahead. Just, well, you know what? M A T T M A T T M A T T. You can email me directly. Mad that that does suit madam We have our own website now. But I think this is a big highlight in the final years. It, it brought the best out of all the actors. We had a lot of good yeah. comedic moments. And it was just a fun little episode to see later on. What's really cool about the episode is um, 
John Inman, at this point, is probably transitioning away a little bit into what's called pantomime, where yeah. people dress up in like crazy outfits, and it's very like British theater, traditional kind of stuff. So the fact that they can like get him into play an Italian guy, Italians aren't like that. First of all, it's second of all, obviously, it's, a yeah, it's a character. But like, th- they knew that the actors can do this this role, these roles. Um, Mr. Chris, how did you feel about this crazy episode? He's the newbie to the table. What do you think of the show? We were first impression. Is this like the craziest show you've ever heard of? Why the hell is there a podcast about it? Are you intrigued? Do you want more? Do you want to know more? There is clearly a right and wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you had one job. Um, no, no, I think it was... You know, it's an okay, it's an okay episode. And that, that, you know, I... I come from Game of Thrones and Sex and the City, so I have a high caliber. It's uh, very your 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 bar is very highly set. No, but it, I, I I thought it was a you know they had some standouts. The lady with the pink wig, she was a slogan. wonderful, the um, best of, character. Of course, the the Tony the the totter or whatever his name is, the Mr. Humphreys, just Mr. Humphreys. He's uh, you know a wonderful guy. Um, there were a couple of things I was questioning as far as like where we are now and today. Like, okay, would Italians feel like this is exactly. an accurate representation yeah, 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 yeah. of who Italians are? Maybe. Do they all carry fans around? <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. Um, but overall, it was entertaining. And, and, you know, I'm excited to see what it's all about. I mean, I've, I've only seen four episodes. So. We've converted an audience. One of us. One of us. What do you get when you convert someone who are being served? A tea, a tea's tea made? Man. It's got to be something better. At least a tea's towel. A tea towel. With the queen on it, I think. Maybe. And well, a tea's be- made. It was Betty Slocum on it. Oh, oh. Um, Betty, we, Elizabeth, Rachel, you know. Rachel Abernathy. You know. We do need merchandise. Maybe that's a tease made. No, a tea towel. Well, what happened to the Cluedo game? Oh, yes. <laughs> Oops. And then we have to think about BBC licensing. It's a whole thing. But we'll see. Um, so I'm curious, how did, uh, Mr. Matthew, how did you find Are Being Served? Well, I grew up in, as you say, bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> And Is that in Lower Fuck County or Upper Fuck County? Lower. Oh, okay. lower. that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Good. And there was not a lot of what you would call culture or arts or anything, really. And PBS was about it to just experience anything outside. Free television. Free television. Yeah. It was you first thing you experience outside of breweries and corn. just corn and farm animals rocks yes all of those things <laughs> and Rock i farming. was flipping the channels as a teenager one night and landed on pbs and there was a sitcom with a woman in a pink wig and a very very campy gay man and i was like i need to know more You've Yay. heard that story before. It's That's the pink like wig every, and, the, yeah. and PBS has been like such a cultural phenomenon, like for the gay community, for the gay men community, and LGBT in general, I'd say. But like, it's something. There's something about the show that throw like a desperate, thirsty, slightly older woman who's trying to like be a sexual object, yep. and is now sort of no longer 
the prey, but the predator. Yep. She's the one. She's the original going, cougar. Yes. Yeah, oh my god. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, Mrs. Slocum is the original cougar. Write that down. You Where know, is this bar exactly? Where is this bar in Spain or Italy or whatever? Where exactly? He and was waving from a yacht. Yes. <laughs> he was waving from his yacht. Exactly. And then there's this gay character, right? That like we all identify with. But what's cool is in the '90s. Um, it's interesting because you don't really see gay characters in the 90s just after that you do like with will and grace and all of that but for all of those of us who are a little bit older than that who remember like watching tv in the 90s and looking for representations of ourselves um mr humphreys was it which is weird that like someone from the 70s like so many years right. before that would be but, it was they were making waves back right. then. and you have to of course discounting a very special episode of fill in the blank where so and so's uncle's roommate came to visit and they never say gay they say right. his friend or like in in, in uh, golden girls they say well I, I, my friend is here and you right. know we're going to my be very, committed very special yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> matt baum i've mentioned in several episodes i think um does really good stuff on youtube where he talks about how gay representation has slowly evolved through movies and TV shows. So if you haven't checked him out, check out Matt Baum. But what other, yeah. um, where else has Anglophilia played a role in either of your lives in terms of entertainment? There is a cream for that. As well. <laughs> I've tried it at work. Um, it's called CNN. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, I would say Keeping Up Appearances Naturally. and yeah. Fab are the other. They're my top three Britcoms. Are you being served? Keeping Up Appearances and Absolutely Fabulous. They just have the queer sensibilities in mind, and I love them all so so much. I love the idea of like they're all like. 20 or 30 years old, right? Even AbFab is like 25 years old or more. Which well, the is first weird. one was 1992, so oh, yeah, you yeah, do yeah. the math. So that's 28, 29 years. But what's cool is yeah. um, Benidorm is new Anglophilia kind of comedy. Yeah. And it was made... 2005, I think it was the first yeah, one. Yeah, to 2013, 14 or so. Yeah, about that. So if you've not seen Benidorm, if you're on BritBox, it's on BritBox. Yeah. Benidorm is a, a seaside town in the Mediterranean coast of Spain. And it's a comedy, it's a British comedy where like they have English people go to this crappy like all-inclusive resort called the Solana and it's like English culture within a Spanish backdrop backdrop yeah. like resort. And, and Benidorm is a, a lot of place. Yeah, and there's like, a lot of Ari being survey kind of like class and like jokes about like working class and the north and so if you like Ari being served, you probably love Benidorm. I will also say, on the more intellectual side of things, that the new well, season... Well, here's a first. Yeah, right? For Surprise. the show. Shaka. <laughs> um, the new season of Only Connect is starting next week. Um, Only Connect is a game show that is a quiz show that is hosted by um, uh, the female World Series of Poker Champion. Oh. And it's got... It's a bunch of, like, uh, a very obscure clues that you have to try and string together and okay. identify the connections between them. Um Episodes are available on YouTube. You don't even have to have a subscription to Ripbox nice. or All Four to do it. So be on the lookout for those um, really good brain teasers. You don't really need to know a lot about British culture in order to be able to do it, mm. but you need to be like thinking because this like puts Jeopardy to shame. I'll just watch reruns of Are You Being Served. <laughs> um, well, that's that's the episode, folks. Uh, I, th I guess this concludes Madam Khan, the first. Madam Khan, not the first annual, because you have to have a second one right. for it to be called annual. So don't send us tweets. Don't worry right. about that. 
But uh, what are we doing next week, Mr. Jeffrey? We are finally talking about memories are made of this. We said we were going to do that last time, but we had Matt yeah, on the So we are going to go backwards in time, go back to Series 9 and watch Memories Are Made of This. And that's the one where Mrs. Slocum gets amnesia and thinks she really is Lil Alice age 4. If I don't get any jelly, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Mr. Chris is very confused right now, but watch the episode. You'll, you'll understand. You okay. will get there, honey. So, um, Mr. Brandon, if other fans want to be like Mr. Matt and Mr. Chris and submit their applications to our background <laughs> checkers in Northern Mississippi to attend that Madam Con, it's a five hundred dollar charge, but it's well worth it, isn't it, gentlemen? I, I, yes. I believe so. Yes. Okay. They're how, looking a little worried. Now. How can the unanimous get in touch with us? Well, you can get in touch with us on Facebook at that does suit Madam. Just do a little search. Twitter is at does suit Madam. You can write us an email at that does suit Madam. Ding! With an E at gmail.com. Sorry, Gladys. Or you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662 Peacock! 662 732 2625. And with that, you've all done very well. Bye, Unanimous. Bye, Unanimous. Thank you. That Justin Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Calling 911 for any purpose other than to report a true emergency could result in criminal penalties.